Thank you for checking out our podcast. We apologize in advance for the audio quality on this first episode, as we were still figuring out our recording setup. We promise that the sound gets much better in the following episodes. Hope you enjoy. podcast where we discuss the Middle Earth strategy battle game. With me are Richard. Hello. Ian. Hi. And Alexander. Hi. For those who don't know, the four of us are a part of the West Coast Hobbits, located on the west coast of Canada in British Columbia. So in this podcast, we will discuss many aspects of Middle Earth SBG, particularly match play and tournament play. In each episode, we will cover a profile from the game and discuss our thoughts about the profile, including tactics and tricks that can be used. Each of us will write a list around the feature profile, and we will take turns sharing our lists, critiquing each other's lists, and giving our thoughts on its strengths and weaknesses. We'll also have an open topic in each episode, where we will provide a unique discussion centered around the competitive side of the game. So to kick off the first episode, this week, the featured profile we will be talking about will be Thranduil, King of the Woodland Realm. In our open topic, we will be sharing our experiences at the Nova Open Convention last summer. Now, this is our first episode. Let's start with some introductions, with a few facts on how each of us got into the hobby, and um, some of our achievements and what armies we currently play. I'll just start with a quick introduction of myself. I'm Charles. Um, on Instagram, I'm known as Heroic Highlights. If Instagram brought you here, uh, welcome. How I got into the hobby, well, it goes all the way back to 2002. Uh, the Two Towers was playing in theaters, and um, we were in the mall one day, my brother and I, when we walked by a Games Workshop store. Um, in, inside the store, they had a big Helm's Deep display. Um, as well as the demo from the Two Towers set, which was Riders Rohan and Against Urukai. Uh, we were hooked immediately, and uh, the rest was history. We were just, you know, collecting s- uh, all sorts of armies since then. The most proud achievement, I would say, would be just in 2019 as a whole. Uh, it was the year that I decided to travel to major international events more than ever. I actually participate in three different events, uh, Adepticon, TGX in Toronto, and the Nova Open. I was able to place second at Adepticon and fourth at Nova Open. I was also able to bring home favorite good army, and somehow I won best display, despite having very restricted space in my carry-on case. It was a tiny carry-on case, and... um, in terms of armies I like to play, I like to play different armies all the time. I try to do two or three different armies each year. My current projects are really focused on the recent War and Rohan release. Um, so currently it's Assault Upon Helm's Deep, Defenders of Helm's Deep, and some Dunland. All right, uh, let's start with Richard, uh, who is my brother. And like I said before, we grew up learning the game together. For many years, he was my only regular opponent. Um, Richard right now is one of the competitive players locally. 
and uh, he was the winner of our league local local league last year. We went to Nova Open last year together, where Richard was awarded the Challenger of Champions award, which was the award you got for playing top table in the final round for first place. Uh, Richard, tell us about how you got into this uh, hobby and what armies you currently play. Um, so I guess getting into the hobby, it's, it's the same story as Charles just said, so I won't really go into that. Um, but whereas Charles continued to play the hobby since 2002, I kind of had a 10 or so year uh, break where from high school to through university, I kind of stopped. Um, I recently came back in the new edition. Yeah, and as an army that I'm playing next, um, I generally like building alliances, so that's something that I'll probably go into a bit later. Um, but my current list that I'm playing around with is uh, Denizens of Mirkwood, uh, Mordor, and Moria Alliance. Cool. Uh, let's move on to Ian next. Um, Ian is known as the elf player of our group. Uh, locally. He likes his finding light and his shooting lists. Um, and Ian also traveled with us to Nova Open last year, uh, where he finished in sixth place. Uh, Ian, why don't you give us a rundown of how it all started with you, and if you play anything else other than elves? <laughs> well, yeah, you struggle to write a list without elves, I'll give you that. <laughs> um, so I got into the hobby just a while back, I think maybe uh, 2003, 2004. My family bought me a little one of the starter sets with the Ministerial Warriors and uh, Orc Warriors in it. Uh, I messed around with that for a little bit, for maybe six months to a year, I think. Alexander, unless I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure I got you into it for a little bit then. And then dropped off for a while, till about 2009, 2010, I want to say. Got back into it, got into War of the Ring. Ended up with a massive Gladrum army of like 200 plus minis, so they're, they're the elves. Um, and then, yeah, since then, uh, I got Alex back into it again a bit after War of the Ring dropped off. Uh, and then we've just been playing consistently since then and growing with our community. It's been pretty cool. Um, I guess my biggest achievement was probably the same thing as Charles. You know, 2019 was awesome. We went to a few other international tournaments. Nova was amazing. Second time we've gone, it was just fantastic. Great experience. And I was very proud of everyone. All the boys we went with, it was really cool to see how, how well we did. Um, currently, I'm kind of... Like my armies are usually based upon what tournaments we have upcoming, but <laughs> we don't really have any upcoming right now, so kind of trying to finish off uh, what I was going to take for some that were coming up. So I've got some Parad and Corsairs, and then I think a little bit of my Airborne Dwarves, because I kind of started painting them up for battle companies, and then I dropped off. Trying to finish that up, I guess. Yeah. Cool stuff. Um, so last but not least, we have Alexander. Alexander is one of the uh, first, you know, members of our local group, which was the West Coast Hobbits. And um, I'd probably say he's the expert on Mordor and all things Kingdom of Moria of our group. Uh, he just has so much experience with those two armies in particular. Alexander, when did you get into this hobby and uh, what armies are you currently working on? I have a very vague memory of 2003 uh, getting into the game right about the same time as Ian. I 
think he was the force that brought me into the game, kicking and screaming. But I think I pop off because when you're seven, it's a tough game to get into. But when I was probably 15, 16, somewhere just after the, the Hobbit release, really got back into it, went from there. Generally been playing for probably a, a solid close to 10 years now. Different accomplishments. I don't really know if they're accomplishments, but went to Nova last year with groups that we've discussed already. You know, a lot of really good experiences there. Got a lot of really good lessons amongst that. Just trying to play some different armies now. Obviously, I started off with Isengard, probably played Isengard for about five years nonstop. Then branched out to Mordor and Dwarves. Now, I think Ben might have something to say about you saying that I'm the resident Kazadoon player, but <laughs> we, we can we can talk about that later. Cool. So those are our introductions. Uh, we will be coming back later uh, to talk about Nova Open a little more. Uh, first, we, let's go over the first segment of the podcast. segment we choose one profile and we review the profile then each of us will share a list built around this chosen profile and give our thoughts on each other's lists uh, today's focus will be thranduil king of the woodland realm this is a hero from the halls of thranduil army list i just want to start by saying that um, the model on elk is one of my favorites from the whole range it's just such a nice model i think Forge World did a really great job on the pose and the display base that it comes with. Okay, let's go on to the profile here. So, Thranduil, King of the Woodland Realm, is 100 points. Uh, he is a Hero of Legend. Movement of 6. Fight value of 6 with a 2-up shoot value. Strength 4. Defense 4. 2 attacks. 3 wounds. Courage 6. 3 might. 3 will. And 3 fate. And he's equipped with an elven made sword and an elven cloak. So he's got a pretty well-rounded profile with threes in all the right places. Um, he seems to have a lot of choice when it comes to heroic actions and six uh, war gear options that he can take. It's also important to note that Thranduil gives Merkwood its army bonus, which all Merkwood Warriors, captains, uh, palace guard, palace guard captains, and Merkwin knights get plus one to wound when they're within three inches of Thranduil, making them able to wound their enemies much more easily. So, what do you guys think of this profile? Anyone want to start? Uh, I guess I, I can go first. Uh, okay. I mean, he's he's just a beast, honestly. Like, you can kit him out however you really want if you want him, you know bit of fighting or a bit more support, or you can go crazy, get him almost 200 points and go for both. He's uh, like the ideal hero of legend, if you will. You know, what everybody was trying to do with Elrond last edition, you know, fighter and a caster. 
And yeah. you know, he's he's got the the strike, heroic strike and heroic defense are probably the two best actions to have, I would say, and he's got them both, which is awesome. Um yeah, and like all of his war gear just I think you'd struggle to come up with a combination of those things that wouldn't do you a lot of favors in your games. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would um, just add on when it comes to the heroic actions. Um, I think strike and defense are definitely the tier one heroic actions, but I think heroic strength is always underrated when it comes to, um, I would say, a tier two heroic action where... Um, especially on a strength four hero, sometimes you just need to, um, you know, up that strength and take out a troll or something like that. I look at Nigel's profile, and really, I can't find a hero that I think for his points is as well-rounded. They don't come much better than this. I guess one thing is that he he can only go up to a defense of six. Many heroes that we see um, at his points level go up to seven or higher, so mm-hmm. that might be one of his few weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the only way you can really bring him down is yeah, if you can swap him with models that are like strength four, right? That's... But even then, he's got the Blade Lord special, which is just so. so he's handy. got he's got six war gear options. Most heroes in the game don't have that sort of versatility in building, in kitting out a hero. I mean, he has two different mount options. You can give him a second sword, which makes him a a monster in combat. You can make him a caster, and he can also shoot a bow. So you can kind of, you can kind of go all out and bring him close to 200 points, or you can kind of go an economic build as well. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, on, on like what Richard was saying, you know, heroes often struggle to wound, especially against defense seven. And he does have access to the elk, which gives him strength five on the charge. And, right. you know, previously I, I hadn't really tried it that much. I wasn't a big fan, but I ran uh, Isildur, who just has strength five normally a couple weeks ago in a game. And it's actually really handy. So I think I'm coming around on the, on the elk a lot more. I wasn't a big supporter, but I, I think it's actually really good, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um... There's an argument for all three basically ways to play him or basic ways to run him is on foot, on horse, or on elk. And on foot, yeah, he just automatically gets the Blade rule and um, he just goes crazy with a lot of attacks and fight seven, so he rarely loses a fight. And then on the horse, it's horses are always good with the killing power. He doubles his strikes. And then the elk is... I guess something that we haven't mentioned is the army bonus, where um, if we're playing the pure or green list for this, um, surrounding elves within three inches would get the plus one to wound. So um, being on that elk base as well, you do get um, a larger radius of surrounding soldiers to get that buff, which is really important. And also, if you look at his special rules, I know Fleetfoot is kind of underrated as well. And... um, if you're mounted on the horse or the elk, you're just running through the woods, and it's definitely it can definitely surprise some people. Yeah, you get to keep your charge bonus while you're in the forest. He's this hero. You kit him out completely, make him 200 points. He just the only weakness he has is really the same one that most 
heroes have, and that you could plug one guy into him and just keep him occupied. But aside from that, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess he he's also kind of limited by enemy magic, just because he only has the three will points, and if he has the circlet, he'll want to keep one of those behind to keep the aura up. Right. So he's a little susceptible to that, you know, if you have your army centerpiece, almost 200 points, just sitting there doing nothing because he's immobilized, that can be really frustrating, but it's got a, it's not, it's not the worst when you have the, the army bonus and the other heroes that are in the list that can back him up. Definitely. So if you guys were going to rate this hero out of 10, what score would you give him? 10 being a hero that you would always take and is just... Absolutely amazing, and zero being completely useless. Oh, definitely zero. Oh, never taken. But <laughs> I'd give him a probably about a nine because I think, especially if you take him in a pure list that's surrounded, essentially built around him. All the rules in that list are built played around him. The army bonus centers on him. Palace guard center on him. So I think when you put that all together, again, the only things being that you can plug one into him and keep him occupied, or that he is susceptible to being transfixed. Aside from that, he's very much, I'd say, if you're going to take uh, a list, an alliance from the Hobbit, he would be easily probably in the top three profiles that I would take in the entire book. Okay, so a nine from Alex. I, I think I'm going to follow him on that. I think, yeah, nine is pretty well deserved. All right, well, I'll change that a bit. I'd say if you're going to ally him <laughs> into anything that's not like a peer list or like a green alliance then i'd say he's a nine just because the bonuses the army bonus is so good and yeah that's just so handy but yeah in a peer list or ally green allied i'd say yeah 100 percent. he's he's a 10 for me just because he's he can do everything like we said yeah um i would second ian on that one i think um again the army bonus is so good so I think if you're playing him in a list that you get to keep the army bonus, uh, 10 out of 10. I think if it comes to a list where you lose your army bonus, personally, um, I don't feel like he is a must-take. So I would say maybe close to 7.5 out of 10. Um, I think he has a lot of options to gear out in, but I think there's a lot of other choices in the good side list as well. Uh, for me, I think what you guys have said, um, I think he is pretty essential in a Merkwood list just for the army bonus. So I would probably give it a 10 as well, um, just because he adds so much to the Merkwood army and any sort of green alliance. Um, he has so many special rules. He has magic. He's great in combat. Outside of a green alliance, I'd probably give him an 8, uh, just because you are putting a lot of points in into his profile. Um, but he doesn't get um, the army bonus. But um, still overall an excellent hero with a lot of ways to play, um, which leads to our next portion of this uh, segment where we each bring a list and uh, kind of show different ways that you can run Thranduil. Um, so Alexander is bringing a pure Halls of Thranduil list with Thranduil. Um, I myself will be bringing an alliance list uh, with Halls of Thranduil and another faction, both at 500 points. Uh, Ian is going to bring a Halls of Thranduil list in a yellow alliance at 800 points. 
and Richard is going to bring um, Halls of Thranduil in a green alliance at 800 points. Let's start with Alexander's list. 500 points. So I put together a list. It's a pure 500-point Halls of Thranduil. He's not Santa. 500-point list that's centered on him. So I have Thranduil himself, big shocker, with the additional blade, heavy armor, horse, and bow, three Mirkwood Elves with shields, three Talos Guard with spears, one Wood Elf with a spear and a banner, four Mirkwood Elves with bows, two Mirkwood Cavalry with shields. Along with him is Toriel, with one Mirkwood Elf with shields, three Mirkwood Elves with glaives, and three Mirkwood Elves with bows. Contains 22 troops total, including the heroes. So, I the one thing I want to say about this list is just, usually what I'll struggle with, especially at lower points values, is is hitting power. And I, I think with this, like, the combination of heroes along with the army bonus, I think that's the complete opposite of like, your typical elf list. Like, this is just going to hit so incredibly hard once it gets into combat. Yeah, you've got Toriel in there with three attacks. Uh, Thranduil obviously hits really hard, and he's got 13 models in his warband, including two mounted models that also benefit from the army bonus. Uh, what kind of worries me is the is the model count, though, at 22. That might be a problem if you're facing, let's say, an army that is like a horde army with well over 30 models, or maybe an army that can outshoot this list. How many bows is it again, Alexander? I think it's seven bows. Um, seven bows. Eight with Randall. With Randall, uh, yeah. Oh, Toriel yeah. does not have That's a bow seven. in this list. Yeah. That's not bad. I mean, but yeah, if they do get uh, a few, lose a few models at the start of the game, that could be, could, could cost them just by getting swamped. Like the, the troops rather than the heroes. Yeah. I, I like the list. Um, I think maybe some small tweaks I would do would be. I would probably give Toriel the bow. Um, and then I like the palace guards, but you could probably take that down to two or one just to bolster the numbers a bit, just because um, as good as they are getting that fight six, it is conditional. And usually at 500 points, you won't need as many of those. And also I feel like they're still slightly overcosted compared to the average elves. So, I, I would probably prefer to get a few more guys. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next, we'll move on to my 500-point list, which is um, Halls of Thranduil and Survivors of Lake Town Alliance. So in Halls of Thranduil, I have Thranduil and Heavy Armor, Additional Elven Blade, a Circlet, and a Horse. And in his Warband are two Palace Guard with Shield and Spear, five Mirkwood Elves with Shield, two Mirkwood Elves with Glaive, two Mirkwood Elves with Elf Bow, one Mirkwood Elf with Glaive and Banner, and two Mirkwood Knights with Shields. In the Survivors of Lake Town Warband, we have a Lake Town Militia Captain with Shield, Alfred, five Lake Town Militia with Shield, four Lake Town Militia with Spear, and two Lake Town Militia with Bow. So it comes to 28 models, with five Might Base, not counting Alfred, special rule, and four bows. Uh, Breakpoint would be 15 dead. So I'm going to start off with the one question that I always ask. Why didn't you max your bows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So just it, it, just before uh, Charles goes, just to give everyone a background, Ian not only is the elf player of the group, but he's also <laughs> the uh, most bow-loving player you will ever find. So and throwing spears. Oh, I love and throwing spears. spears. <laughs> well, the main idea behind this list is to use Alfred to pack the Lake Town militia captain with as much might as possible, and then basically heroic march my entire army into the enemy and use Thranduil, use his might on heroic strikes and heroic combats. Um, if I were to take more bows, they most likely would not be shooting. The archers that I have right now are more for objective scenarios. I kind of want as many models in combat as possible. Mm. And uh, my strategy is based around using the captain to march. And that's why I don't have as many bows as possible. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, moving pace. Fair enough. I, I actually really like this list, especially with the circlet on this, because it would uh, really make everyone in this list extra hard to charge. And I like the elves being able to support the Lake Town Militia and giving the high fight. I think that's always, that's always a bonus. The only thing I would say here is... Um, I, I don't know if Thranduil necessarily needs the horse, but that's pretty minor. Yeah, fair enough. Now, I, I look at it, I think it's pretty competitive because you have your kind of, I won't call them miller, but your militia up in the front, you get that fight fight. have given Thranduil the ability to do both combat and spellcast. The list, the list is well-rounded. I have to say, honestly, you haven't maxed out your bows spent too much time around Ian. <laughs> but of course, you don't need to. I think with this list, as you said, the strategy of using the captain to march, the whole idea is that you don't need as many bows. One thing I wonder is how fast it would be. It is objective-based. It is the ability to move to objectives. But even marching with a captain, you only get to do that perhaps twice. But that's very conditional based on what's happening in the game. So it could very easily work. Well, he does have a uh, he does have Alfred, so he oh. potentially have a five might captain that can march five times. So never mind, we could march up to five. <laughs> in the Lake Town contingent, they get very angry when <laughs> those fishermen are fierce. Yeah. <laughs> so if I was to rate this list, I think are we giving it a rating? Yeah, um, I actually had an idea where we use the heroic tiers from the rules as um, as a rating. So from minor hero to hero of legend, one to five. So five being a hero of legend and one being an independent hero and assign our ratings that way. So uh, we actually forgot to mention it after we reviewed Alexander's list, but we can rate my list and then we can go to his, I guess. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be tough on you. <laughs> I'm going to rate it. I'm ready. Go for it. I'm going to rate it Hero of Valor. Not perfect, but it's obviously got a lot of strong points. I don't see it. It's definitely not indestructible. The the militia, correct me if I'm wrong, with the shield, their defense, five? Yes. Okay, so that's that's the only real issue, is that the militia are defense five, and that you might be able to pinpoint the militia, but at the same time, if you pinpoint the militia, and you struggle to contain Thranduil, again, the topic of the whole conversation, he's going to tear some things apart. 
So I'm going to say it's very good. It has no glaring holes. It just, it does have its weaknesses, but those weaknesses are in turn to make up for any other deficiencies, such as low troop count like you have in the list that I built. Okay, so Hero of Valor from Alexander. Uh, Richard? Um, so I've, I actually think this is one of the best, and I guess you could argue dirtiest, synergies in the game. So um, <laughs> I, I would actually say this is, I would say, a Hero of Legend, just because I think this is very capable of winning a competitive tournament. Um, with this list, if played right, having quite five elves in the front or the back, and then supporting some Lake Town, fight five everywhere, and then the Lake Town in the front can also, uh, if you arm them with axes, they can piercing strike up to strength four, and then all the elves are wounding with the plus one. Um, I think it would it would just be able to grind through most armies at 500 points, and then you have a leader that is fight seven. Um, can cast magic, is a combat monster. I, I honestly think it's just really hard to stop. And um, with the the cheesy part of Alfred and the Lake Town Captain, with potentially five might, um, I think gives you enough maneuverability with the Merkwood Knights for the objective scenario. So I really like it. I think perhaps slightly dirty, but because it's themey, um, I think we'll accept it. And, uh, but it's definitely really strong, so... Uh, hero legend from me. Okay, Ian. Yeah, I okay. So I I was gonna give it a valor, but then I I noticed that you actually have the banner in there, and that's I, is a very hard thing to do with like elves or even like an elven alliance at 500 points. So yeah, no, I think I, I think I have to go for legend honestly. Like the the numbers are good considering you have Thranduil and you have Thranduil kitted out to like basically to the max. And tons of mobility, which is really good for all those like new six scenarios that just came out. I yeah no, it's actually it, it's quite strong. You know, I mean, could even though I don't bows. have maximum bows, you can use some more bows. But you know, for, for <laughs> it's, it's a combat army, I guess. It'll do really well. You gotta get it. It's good. It's good. Okay, like it. two legends and a valor. Uh, let's step back to the Alexander's list quickly and each give our scores for it. So I'll just quickly go through my score. So. Just to refresh memory, it's Thranduil uh, on a horse and Toriel at 500 points, uh, 22 models. I like the hitting power uh, in combat for this list. I like how you have Thranduil has what he needs to do a lot of damage in combat. Uh, Toriel's not bad either. Uh, she has three attack space. You have a lot of elves that you can surround Thranduil with. The numbers are a little bit low for what I would be comfortable bringing to a tournament with, but... You do have seven bows to kind of whittle down your enemy before combat. I just think that it would be a little bit better if you were closer to like the 25 model mark. Um, so I'd probably give this one, probably give this one a hero of valor just because I think you have that one weakness. Other than that weakness, I think it's a good list. I think you can definitely win a lot of games with it. Yeah, I, I would probably just agree with that. Not not too much to add. Just mostly the numbers and certain scenarios in a tournament could catch you off guard. But if the, if the tournament you know is just based around certain scenarios that are going to be more fighting heavy, I think it could be pretty strong. So I'll probably give it a, basing it on viability at a tournament, I would probably give it a, a hero of fortitude. Okay, hero of fortitude. I'm somewhat stuck in the middle. I think I'm going to go with Valor. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because he's got the... Yeah, the fighting capability of this list is great. Um, like you guys said, the, the maneuverability isn't fantastic. I mean, but he does have, you know, he has the mounted here, and he has the two cavalry in there, so it, it does have movement, but combined with the low numbers, that could be an issue. But I still think it's pretty strong. Yeah? Okay. Hero of Valor. Richard, would you like to share your list next? So this is a 800-point list with Halls of Thranduil allied in with Iron Hills. So my leader was Thranduil on horse um, with the additional sword and heavy armor, um, one pulse guard with spear and shield, six Mirkwood elves with shield, three Mirkwood elves with glaives, um, another palace guard with banner, shield, and spear, two Mirkwood cav with shield, and then we have Legolas on horse with six Mirkwood elves with bows, and then we have Dane Ironfoot with his pig and 12 Iron Hills. The total model count for that is uh, 34 models. And then we have Nine Might with Dane's Conditional Master of Battle as well on a 4+, and six bows. I'll start off by saying that um, this list looks like it has a lot of tools to um, help you in different scenarios and in different situations. He has, like Richard just mentioned, he has the Master of Battle, which potentially... Uh, can allow Dane to haul three heroic actions. Um, he has he has the auto hit or the deadly shot from Legolas, able to snipe heroes' mounts, and um, and he has Thranduil, which we've discussed earlier, is incredible in combat. And obviously, it's a very competitive list, uh, as Richard did very well at Nova Open. You know, I, I think the numbers are solid. I think it's got uh, it's got dwarves in there with their defense eight shield wall. A um, lot of spears. I think it's a really solid list. And um, I'd probably say the only thing that you could consider would be adding in the circlet on Thranduil. But if he did, then his numbers would drop a little bit. And I think 34 models is a healthy number at 800 points. Um, so I would give this one a Hero of Legend. I don't see very many weaknesses uh, with this list. Uh, yeah, I, I think this, well, this plays really well for your playstyle, Richard, you know, which is always just, like you said, tempo, 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 right? Um, I, same kind of criticism Charles is like, maybe you could go for the circlet, but I'm the same iffy on it. I know we had a lot of talks about this before, Nova. And I, I, I think you went for the right choice, honestly, because I mean, you did really, really well with it. But, yeah, I could see the argument for the circlet if you go down to, what, drop two Iron Hills, go to 32, but... Uh, I don't know. The numbers are already so low, you kind of need the extra guys, right? Especially when they're defense 8. And I'll, I will mention the nice thing about the Iron Hill Dwarves is um, they also are all fearless under Dane. So it's oh, a nice right. contingent of D8 and fearless dwarves. Oh, yeah, that was the one other thing I wanted to mention tied in with the dwarves is their, the other part of their army bonus where they get the, the plus 1, minus 1 on random deployment scenarios. I think that's really ha- like really really useful, especially when you don't really want to be spending any might with your heroes, right? To boost yeah. those rolls. So if you deploy him last, yeah, that's that's super handy. It's a good thing to point out. Okay. So what what is your verdict? This got to be a legend. I mean, <laughs> based off that performance, I, I I ran a lot of practice games against this list. It's it's a it's a it's a hard list, man. All right, Alexander, thoughts? I mean, it 
it's so well rounded. It it's really it's got the high defense. It's got the fight five support. You had you had a couple of knights in there, didn't you? Uh, yes, I had two markers. You've got the knights, and even though some will say, well, it's it, some people will say, well, it's it's just two cavalry. How much mobility can that give you? But when it's an objective scenario, two cavalry can be huge, especially since you put Thranduil uh, on the horse to have the massive battle, to have the high defense and fearless uh, touch rule for the dwarves. Even though the dwarves, I find when I've played an, an elf dwarf alliance, for me, it can be a little bit detrimental to low movement because you can only move as slow sometimes depending on where the game deploys as the dwarves move. Aside from that, it's obviously very powerful. As someone who's a little bit worried about playing lists that don't have magic, yeah, I can understand why you might want to think about bringing circlet, but at 34 models for an elite good army at 800 points, it's pretty good, and I, I wouldn't really want to drop it from there. Plus, all the other tools you have really make it so that I don't think the Aura of Dismay and, um... Oh god, what's the other spell? Nature's Wrath. Nature's Wrath. That's yeah. the I, I don't really see it as being that necessary. I mean, the army itself makes me afraid to charge it. So you <laughs> don't need a Aura of Dismay for it. So I, I find it really well-rounded. I think the results you've had with it speak for themselves. So I'm I'm gonna have to give it a hero of legends. I think hands down. Three legends. All right. Um, let's go on well, to our. I just hope it's not based all on result and it's at, <laughs> actually <laughs> looking at the list. Well, okay. I'll, I'll just preface one like once more. I played around with the list that's almost identical to this a little bit before, and I couldn't get to work, but I loved the idea. So I I, I am biased. I think it's a great. I think it's a great list. It's fantastic. <laughs> And, you know, elves, woo! Yeah, elves. <laughs> All right, and Ian will be um, going over the last list for today. Okay, so I'm actually going to start with uh, my second warband, because this includes some models that I've been wanting to make uh, make a list for that I really like for probably about five years or so, and I just I, I couldn't figure out a way to make it work. Um but then back in uh, in March, I think, when we had our last tournament, I got uh, another blister of them. And I, well, okay, I got I got another blister of Iron Guard. Those are the guys. Love those two attacks. Um, love, and love, then love the throwing weapons. And you know, throwing weapons, they're <laughs> they're lovely too. And then yeah, a shout out to uh, Marcus on the the Dern Show podcast. So yeah, after after that tournament, I, I was ask, asking around if anybody had Dwarf King, and he he had, had bought two that day from somebody, and he ended up just giving me one. So you know, I felt like you know had to write a list, had to write a list, and I'm gonna run it. I think at whenever we have another tournament. Anyway, anyway, okay, I'll get into it. So the four band with the dwarves is a Dwarf King with eight Iron Guard, and then five Dwarf Warriors with bow. The second warband is Thranduil, with the heavy armor, the circlet, the sword, and the elk. So with uh, this, I was kind of looking for a hero that could hit really hard, which Thranduil can do with that setup. And I wanted a bit of protection for my Iron Guard. You know, it's it's, it's going to come out to be an elite list, so I think having the Aura of Dismay is going to help it out a lot, so I can dictate a bit more where uh, where the charges happen, and then really make the most out of their, uh, their, their crazy amount of attacks. So with Thranduil, I have Six warriors with bow, three palace guard with spear and shield, one normal warrior with banner, glaive, and shield, two Mirkwood knights with shield, and six warriors with glaive. So 
once I had all that, I was thinking, what's the Randall's biggest weakness? You know, is he's vulnerable to magic, and I'm already in a, in a yellow alliance with this, so it doesn't really matter where I go with uh, my allies as long as they're well. I guess you're restricted to elves and a couple other lists. And then the other thing I was thinking about is again, it's an elite list. It could use some shooting protection, so uh, I think a lot of people are knowing where this is going to go. So the last warband is Scalatural Lady of Light. Um, I just, I, I'm in love. I'm enamored with my own list writing, I guess. <laughs> um, but I do think the, the big risk with this list is, you know, it's, it is kind of a death ball. So if it gets separated, it could kindly run into trouble. And eight might of 800 points is okay. It's not terrible. But, you know, if you're going to spend some on my marches, that, that goes down really fast. So, yeah, that came out to 34 models and 11 bows. Please rip it to shreds. Who would like to rip it to shreds first? <laughs> <laughs> me, pick me. Um, I think it's a, it's a very... It's a lift. <laughs> Great review. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Alex. It's Love lift, it. a list that has a lot of different facets. I'm obviously... You know, I get through the whole list, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's a good list. I'm not completely petrified of it. And then I just see Galadriel at the bottom, and that's kind of where I'm like, no, there it is. Okay, Ian, Ian didn't forget Galadriel, because Ian has played lists with Galadriel for well over a decade. And hopefully <laughs> think he might be able to start picking up the list apart. He throws in Blinding Light and Aura of Dismay. No, not Aura of Dismay. Just Blinding Light. Yeah. Now, the only thing that caught me off guard a little bit was that the majority of your warband with the Dwarf King was the Iron Guard. Now, I like to sprinkle in the Iron Guard. I personally am not a massive fan of throwing in a massive chunk, but I know that you really like to have a warband that's the hammer. So, I can see it working. It's kind of like the Berserker list of wargs, two attacks. They're low. Now, if you can see my air quotes in my voice there, they're low on defense. Only defense six, but against anything that's only strength three, it's really not going to make a difference. So, it's well-rounded. Again, yes, I'd, I'd be worried if you had a random deployment scenario and the Dwarf King and the Iron Guard ended up completely alone. Just because you might get surrounded, it might be difficult, but... Again, you have the fight for you have the defense tip. So even then it's not impossible. I'd still have to give it give it Hero of Valor, probably, just because it's so strong in so many different ways. Again, only by splitting it up could you really weaken it. So and that takes a lot in itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Richard. Thoughts? Where do I start? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the key ingredient to every Ian list is maximum bows and blinding light. So check, check. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I I find this combo really interesting. I I do like the hero choices with the dwarf king allied in March and the fight six, and of course Lady of Light is is always solid, especially with the circlet. So if we turn on the aura of dismay, you and then Lady of Light will bring the um, Harbinger, uh, essentially, whatever the good side version of that is, with the minus one Courage Bubble. So that's some really good synergy there. 
Um, but what I don't like about the list, I think Alex might have mentioned, is I'm just not a big fan of the Iron Guard. I personally don't think they're that worth it. Maybe a couple sprinkled in, but you know the a competent player would usually just focus those. And at 15 points apiece, I just think a lot of the times they're probably not going to make their points back. So I think otherwise, though, I really like it. I would also consider as kind of an alternate version of the list is maybe allying Army of the Roar as the dwarf contingent as allies. And Hmm. Um, you could have dwarf spears with those and also um, spam out as well because they're fairly cheap dwarves and then the roar or thrain are really good value as well there but i think overall i would um, and especially knowing ian as a player is a very strong technical player i think this list has uh, potential in the tournament so i would give it a hero of valor just briefly i don't think kingdom of kazadoom can ally with any other dwarves I'm pretty sure oh, they can't. No, no, I, I'm saying um, instead oh, yeah. of the Swap them out. Sorry, swapping out the dwarf contingent for, yeah. In oh, I gotcha, dwarf. I gotcha. So it's, it'll still all be uh, convenient allies. I see. Yeah, okay. Uh, my thoughts on this, I think uh, to add to Richard's point about the the Harbinger of Evil, um, Gladriel also has Instill Fear, and with that minus one, um, you know, it's, it, it's pretty... It can be very devastating to low courage armies, and if you combine that with the War of Dismay, it could just instantly make some evil armies just unable to charge and unable to move. I know that you're in a convenient alliance, which means your elves don't get the plus one to wound near Thranduil. It seems like you're substituting that with the Iron Guard for hitting power. I, I think it kind of makes up for it, since Iron Guard, I, they can't piercing strike, can they? No, because no. the, they're they're throwing axes. Throwing axes. Okay. And you can't use those in combat, but they oh, have the dagger. But they're still in they're still strength four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that with the circlet should be able to you should be able to do a decent amount of damage. Yeah. As a personal choice, uh, I know there I've seen debates between dwarf warriors with bows against uh, dwarf rangers with longbows. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a bigger fan of the longbows because I like the range and the three plus to hit. But, you know, it's it's a personal preference. Um, they're also one point cheaper. So if you swap your bows, all your bows with rangers, you could put a bow on Granduel, maybe. Hmm. Um, but other than that, I think for what this list is, I like the look of it. I maybe consider swapping out the Kazadoom, uh, similar suggestion to Richard, but maybe you could consider Airborne Reclaimed. I think maybe a Thorin on Goat or a Dwalin on Goat would be would add would help your hitting power and they're also fight six um they could bring a lot of value to your uh to your list as well yeah um yeah but other than that i it's, it's this is not a list that i would probably enjoy playing at a tournament <laughs> it's a it's a compliment um yeah and then definitely uh give it a hero of valor yeah it, it is a super kind of it's based off the gimmick of here's eight iron guard <laughs> let's see what they can do um the biggest debate I had when I was writing is, do I give the, the extra five dwarves shields or bows? I decided on the bows, because, you know, I love the bows, and I, there's the blinding light in there. 
So I think it's okay, but that's more of a playtesting thing. You know, it might be better to give them shields just to block off an area or, you know, like you guys were saying, protect the Iron Guard so as much as possible so they can get into combat in decent shape. All right. Um, so Richard is the winner of this this episode with three Hero of Legend ratings. <laughs> I think I'm the only one with the list that has been taken to a tournament, though, so. Yeah, that's fair. We, we we have seen what that one can do, and it is you. Yeah, you have proof. You have proof yeah. of his success. <laughs> All uh, right. Um. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Do we want to touch on any of the profiles we didn't? Uh, none of us ended up taking from the Merkwood list. Brief. We can do that. Um. I guess since you have the book in front of you. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say you know, I I found it interesting that none of us took captains. I kind of understand why, but, you know, there are three options for captains, so you'd think that, you know, there's one of them, that somebody would have one of them, but, you know, I, I personally, I like the Palace Guard captain the best. The other two, I don't really see the purpose for, but I don't know, what, what do you guys think of the captains? I, I think I would agree, agree with you there. The Palace Guard captain benefits from Thranduil's plus one fight rule to bring him to fight seven, um, and he's just a fight, a fight seven hero with defense seven is just... Mm-hmm. Uh, really useful in a lot of situations, and plus he has bodyguards, so he's fearless. The other two captains, they have very limited uh, options. I don't believe the Merkwood captain has any options, other than a glaive. And the Ranger captain, I mean, if you pay a few more points, 10, 15 points, you could just get Toriel instead. Yeah. I really liked the Ranger captain, looking at the profile, and then I came to the heroic actions, and it has heroic actions no instead of March. It can't even march. I think the ranger captain would actually be a really good choice. But if you're going to take a captain, you're going to do it so you can get the march in the list, right? And then if you got Thranduil, the palace guard captain is, is, yeah. Agreed. That's where it's at. I I really, really consider the palace guard captain. I did. I like the synergy again with Thranduil. The, the special rules are getting the plus one to the fight value, but I look at it, and usually when I'm looking at a general captain, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get access to Mark first, and I'm trying to get something that is kind of a sturdy bargain to put into the list, and I just don't see any of the captains in that army list really being that bargain. Two of them, not even all three, two of them have access to Mark. Third one we will not name. <laughs> And for an extra few points, like you said, I can take for it. So he gets an extra might point and is a bit of a combat beast. So really, I think when it came down to building your list from that army, the only real debate I had was whether to drop one of the items out of Randall's kit, maybe add another elf, and instead of taking Toriel, taking Legolas and giving him a horse for the mobility. But that was really, there aren't that many options in this list for heroes, if you're doing a pure list. One more okay. brief thing. The uh, the Palace Guard Captains and the Merkwood Elf Captains do benefit from the army bonus, so they do get plus one to wound when they're close to Thranduil, which as the only heroes in the list that can do that, that's pretty cool. I mean, I think yeah, they both have access to two-hand weapons. I mean, you know, plus two to plus wound. Plus two to wound, yeah. That's, that's pretty <laughs> gross. But, yeah, I, it's also telling in all the lists we wrote up, whoever allied in allied in a march, <laughs> we didn't get it from this list. So I, I don't think you're going to take a captain unless you're in a pure list. Which is a bit of yeah. a shame, because they are pretty decent-looking models, you know? Yeah. And I guess uh, there's uh, two basic troop profiles that we did not mention, really. would be the Merkwood Ranger and the Sentinel. Yeah, I mean, well, what can you say, Mercury Rangers, you know, and I think it's the same thing with the Sentinel, but they both 
really struggled when the uh, Elven Cloaks went down in points, and they basically still paid the five points for it compared to last edition. And I, I don't know why, but yeah, that's, that was a weird, weird change. I don't, I don't get why they didn't. Change they are, it. they are a little bit pricey for what they do. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and the Mercury Rangers don't benefit. Actually, neither of them benefit from the army bonus, do they? No, they don't. Oh. Which is a shame. It, it could be handy throwing in a, or just one or two Sentinels in a list in higher points. Um, I, I, I think they're still useful for sure. I've tried the Sentinels once in the Lothlorien list, and I, it, they, it didn't do much for me, but you know, I think our local meta has a lot of people focusing on bringing um, things to counteract Courage. Lots of people do that here, so I, I don't know. Maybe if we... Somewhere else they might be better. I know they're a bit more popular in other... Other circles, but not uh, not so much here. They're so easily countered by whatever countered by whatever he brings. All right. So moving on to the open topic of this episode, we'll be discussing each of our Nova Open 2019 experience. up to one year now since uh, we were at this convention last year. Uh, Nova Open is a convention that takes place in Washington, D.C. every year near the end of August, and uh, it's the largest Middle Earth tournament in North America. It's always amazing seeing everyone at the event uh, with top-tier thematic tables. A lot of people go there just for the terrain and the tables. It's always a lot of fun. So today we'll each be going over our favorite games, our lessons learned, and just the overall experience of the event. So starting with the favorite games, uh, Richard, would you like to start us off with what games you enjoyed the most from the Nova Open last year? Um, yeah, I would say all my games, all six games, were very enjoyable. Um, great opponents and great, just great meeting different players that I've never played before, uh, bringing different armies that I've never played before. I would say my favorite game, probably one of my favorite games ever, was um, against a player named Jesse from the Philadelphia group. And super nice guy, a really strong player as well. And when he first brought his list onto the table, he had to explain the nuances to it, which... Um, I later kind of incorporated it into my future lists, but um, <laughs> essentially it was Lothlorien with Galadriel, and there was a, a Lake Town Warband with uh, Captain and Alfred to basically jack up the might. And then in addition, he also had Gwai here as the leader of that army, and Galadriel brought the mirror. So the trick to this was having Gwai here as the leader and as a monster, Guahir um, would go and pick up the mirror, which basically means that every turn, Guahir um, could refresh his might back to full while fate. moving normally. Yeah, fate. So uh, <laughs> basically, it nullifies that VP where you can't win the enemy leader because Guahir as flying E8, three fate, three wound hero, and if you're restoring three fate a turn, it, it's just 
very unlikely you're going to get through that. We were playing uh, Reconnoiter, and it was just a super tactical game where I was really threatened by here and so I kind of split up my forces, and I went for the objective. I ended up marching Legolas and Dane without fighting at all, straight off the table, just to... <laughs> Just to uh, get the get the VPs as quick as possible, but I kind of misjudged the time a little bit, and what ended up happening was there was a big brawl. He kind of chased me down. Um, he wasn't able to get any guys off the table because, um, aside from why here, he didn't really have any mobility or as much mobility as I did. But he did in the final turn broke me, so the game actually came down to a tie. But that was honestly one of. Uh, my favorite games ever, super tactical, and yeah, it was a great opponent. Sounds like a super close game, too. Yeah, it definitely was. Ian, some of your favorite games from Nova? Uh, okay, so I think my favorite game probably was Game 5 that I played on, what table? I think it was on Table 6. Uh, I was playing against, I can't remember his name, can't quite remember, but I remember uh, the list he had. It was uh, a bit of an alliance with Mordor and I think Mirkwood Spiders. Uh, what was the Denizens of Mirkwood? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. So we had the Witch King all kitted out on a fell beast, Kamul all kitted out on a fell beast, and the Spider Queen. And you know, a whole bunch, a mix of spiders, maybe like eight spiders, four and four of the two different types, and about twenty Moran and orcs. And I remember just. As he was setting up the table, I was looking at this list and I was like, oh my god, I've gone back in time in addition, what what am I going to do? <laughs> How do I fight this? So, and we were playing, what were we, we were playing Domination, yeah, and I, I just, I, I couldn't really think of an appropriate idea to how to fight it, so all I did is I, I had, uh, I was just in my list, I, I just, I had a Rivendell-Arnor alliance, so I had Gorfindel, Hirdan, Arvadui, Malbeth, and a Captain. And what I ended up doing is there was a section of the board where the two objectives were really close to each other on the center line. So I just made this little ball with Arvadui and Malbeth in, or no, yeah, Arvadui, Malbeth, and Kirden just in the center in probably about three lines of dudes <laughs> surrounding them. And I moved it up on in between those two objectives where, and the spiders were facing off against me with all the heroes. And I was just like, okay, let's see what happens. Kept Glorfindel in reserve because like, I'll, so I can counter whatever happens. And it kind of worked. He, you know, he charged in. He got a few kills. I saved some guys with Malbeth. The aura of dismay in that list, in that game, was outstanding. Probably the luckiest moment of the whole tournament. I think his Kamul rolled to charge in and rolled double ones, and then just sat there for a turn because he didn't want to wow. spend the will, which was super lucky. Um, and just like the synergies of that list, like of the list that I made, was really showed there. Made it made made a big difference, yeah, and it was crazy. And also, I learned from one of my earlier games, you know, when it came down to time management, I pushed it a lot towards the end. But I need, you know, it got to the last half an hour, and I was like, gosh, I need, you know, maybe like three or four turns to get to these objectives. So, you know, push the tempo, and we got those three turns, and we we got it. But it was it was tense. It was a very tense game. Was that your first experience uh, playing against eight spiders? Yeah, it was. That's, that list has so much hitting power. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it was it was nuts. Along with the you know the three monsters and it was nuts. The elves were in my list were invaluable. Just having the fight five, I could throw behind an Arnor guy and go. Okay, now we're tied fight value. That made a big difference. Yeah, it was really tactical, really intense, uh, and it was a lot of fun. Cool. 
Alexander, did you have a favorite game? I think I did. Now, my memory is, you know, some things that should not have been forgotten were lost. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, my memory of some of my games is a little bit fuzzy. Honestly, now, almost a year later, don't remember all six of my games perfectly. But one game I definitely remember was the first game of the tournament. And we get up, we're all lined up, ready to go, and my first opponent was Jordan, BCHL, Jordan Moreno. And we rolled, and I can't remember what the scenario, uh, was it? Hold ground. Hold ground was the first scenario. And he deployed first, so I had the deployment advantage and deployed second. I think he was playing Haradrim, if I remember correctly. And I came up behind him, and I encircled one of his warbands. And within a couple of turns, I had probably a good portion of his army on its heels, really beaten down. I, I had Tyrdan and a warband of high elves running in from the other side, and for a moment, I thought I might have him. But you see, that's where the narrator comes in and goes, but he did not, in fact, have him. <laughs> I really lost track of the objective in that game. I spent way too much time trying to whittle down that portion of his army along the board edge. And in that time, he managed to form this... I think, two rank deep barricades between the two closest pieces of terrain and essentially block the majority of my army from getting to the center. As he said to me at the end of the game, had you moved off that towards the center maybe a turn or two earlier, you probably would have had it. But that was a, that was a really good lesson, not to get hyped up in corner battles and getting stuck in little pockets trying to completely whittle down your opponent's army, because you don't have to table them to win. But for some reason, I was trying to get rid of all of them when I only needed to tie them down. Now, obviously, aside from that, the rest of the tournament, I learned a lot of lessons around kind of just, especially testing a list and being able to play a list a lot before going to a tournament. Because that summer before that, I don't think I got very many games in. I probably got only two or three. So I really didn't get to work out all the little kinks in my list. That played a big role for me. You were playing uh, Casa Doom and Rivendell Alliance, right? Yeah, I was playing Kyrdan with eight high elves, or no, 12 high elves. Uh, I was playing King's Champion, Durin, even though I normally pick, played Balwin. I had a whole bunch of those um, Hearth Guard upgrades. Uh, it didn't really work out for me, and like I said, had I had had I had the time and had I played enough games beforehand, I might have been able to have sorted that out before. But that was probably the most memorable game for me was that first game. I also had a pretty fun game with Alisher in the second round. All the games were fun, but for some reason I can remember the first three and then the back three were a little bit more mixed together. Okay. Oh, that, that's great. I really enjoyed all of my games as well. I think if I had to pick uh, favorites, there's two that would probably be a tie. Uh, first one was Game 5, uh, Domination against Marcus Abratus. And it's, it's simply one of the most fun games I've played just because of what he brought. So he had three great beasts of Gorgoroth. <laughs> uh, I think um, he had the Tainted on Horse and a Shadow Lord on Horse and about 15 to 20 orc warriors. And uh, it was just uh, crazy facing three of those things. They each have, I think, nine orc bows in the howdah. 
So they were he was taking pot shots at me the whole game. I was playing a Minas Tirith list with a LSR, Captain of the White Tower, 23 Fountain Court Guard, and I think six Warriors in Minas Tirith with two Knights. And uh, we were kind of just playing tag. He was running to one objective with his Great Beasts, and I was just running, keeping my distance and going to another objective. And he had a lot of magic, which I was a little bit worried before the game, but it turned out to favor me. The other game was game four against Seth Hinder, and we were playing Seize the Prize. Um, I was extremely worried at the beginning since he was playing the Riders of Thaden Legendary Legion, which is one of the most mobile armies in the game. Uh, he picked up the prize and held onto it the entire game, and we were essentially playing at my board edge. So if I lost one heroic move roll-off, he would have ran off with the prize at any given moment, basically. Uh, but Dice was on my side, and I kept winning priorities and pinning his model that carried the prize until maybe the second last turn I killed the model that carried the prize, and I was able to hold on to it for the rest of the game. But that game was super tense, and I could have lost at any point just because we were fighting so close to him you know, able to take off with the prize at any moment. I think Alex already kind of started on the next topic, which is lessons learned from this event. Um, I'll just quickly go over mine. I think the biggest lesson that I learned was to get to know the scenarios really well before the tournament and to remember special rules that people tend to overlook. Uh, For me, it was the final game, which was Lords of Battle. Now, I always forget the special rule in Lords of Battle where hero regains a point of might after slaying another hero. And in that game, I think I forgot to regenerate six or seven points of might. Oh. I was playing against uh, Survivors of Lake Town, Erebor Reclaimed Alliance with Lady of Light. And I killed maybe seven heroes. I killed all three kids, Bard, Lady of Light, and one other hero, and I didn't remember to uh, regain any of the might points. Still came out with the win, but it just got to me after the game that it was a big rule that I missed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, after that, <laughs> I'll probably never forget that rule again. I, I, right. think, I think you might have forgotten to play sometime after. <laughs> probably. <laughs> that was so hard because it's scenario-specific, so you don't really think about it when you're thinking about like your army list, you know? Doesn't yeah. immediately come to mind. Plus, you're probably not thinking about having to reach then three might points for Aragorn, but you know. <laughs> I guess I could go. Um, similarly, it biggest lesson was probably in the last game. So I was on the top table playing uh, Jacob Hall, who was the eventual winner of Nova, and great player, um, super nice guy too. But I've never, first of all, I've never played against Goblin Town before, and no one in our uh, local meta plays this list, so um, I didn't really know what I was going up against, and just probably felt the nerves a bit. Um, and I think a big part of what I needed to work on was just counting the VPs to what I, or focusing on the objectives to see what. Um, I needed to win because in that scenario, it was actually my favor against Goblin Town. So Goblin Town is probably the uh, most horde army in the game. And I had a super elite army and uh, Lords of Battle is focused on getting wound counts. So in theory, I probably should have won that game. But I think 
due to my inexperience and obviously uh, Jake is probably one of the best, if not the best player in North America, um, kind of took advantage of that. And so I, I ended up with the wound count tally. I wasn't able to double him, but I think I was able to um, have a good solid margin over him. And then I did wound his leader, which was the Goblin King, but he was able to break me and also kill my leader which gave him a 5-4 win, I believe. So knowing this, if I if I had gone into the scenario being uh, more analytical of the VP counts, I think it might not be as an exciting of a game, but I was thinking, well, it, it was for basically the Nova title, so what I could have done was kind of just castled in the corner with terrain, and as long as Thranduil doesn't die or I don't break either one of them, I should be able to come out with the victory. So I think that was one of uh, my biggest lessons learned now. So um, definitely for tournament play, I try to go in with every scenario or every round, uh, making sure I know how many points I need to come out with the win. That was a really close game. Yeah. And even with, I think, that kind of uh, tactical mistake from the start, um, I did have my chance. It was the turn where the Goblin King was fighting two elves, one with a palace guard, fight six. And so it came down to a roll-off, and he got the one and two on the roll-offs. And then I shouldn't have done this to myself, but I rolled a hypothetical wounding if, if I had won the roll-off, and I would have killed the Goblin King. So oh, that's That's brutal, dude. That's, yeah. So, so that's if brutal. I if I'd killed the Goblin King that turn, the Goblin King wouldn't have gone on to kill Thranduil. So that that probably would have swung things. But yeah, it, it was still a great game, great learning experience. Yeah, but definitely painful. Yeah, ne- never roll the hypotheticals. I think <laughs> I, I did that for one of our doubles games that that Alex and I played at, at Nova. We ended up tying zero zero in the event, but I was like, because I forgot one of our warriors had a bow. So at the end of it, once we'd done the points, I was like, oh, okay, what if I had not put him into combat and I shot at Theoden? Six to hit, six on the rider, six to wound. <laughs> I rolled three sixes in a row and he would have died and we would have won. I was just like, oh my god, why did I do that to myself? <laughs> yeah, it's the worst. Never roll the hypotheticals, man. <laughs> it's brutal. It's given me nightmares for sure. <laughs> at least a couple weeks. I remember that hypothetical rolling in the, in the doubles game tied. It was uh, uh brutal. That was some heartbreak right there. <laughs> Alex, was there anything you wanted to add to um, lessons learned? Uh, add to what you were saying before? No, I think. I mean, that whole the 2019 tournament, I actually fared better at the 2017 tournament, and I, I think really just as obvious as it sounds that you should get lots of practice in with your tournament list. And in my defense, the summer leading up to that tournament was very busy for me. Aside from that, though, just working out those tweaks, because I think if I had gone through all the playtesting, my my list would have been drastically different than what I actually took. That, obviously, the, the lessons I learned playing against Jordan, where you don't need to completely stop his army so much as tie it up once you have, have it kind of whittled down and move out into the objective. That was most of it, really, for me, came down to army building, I think. Okay. Okay, last but not least, uh, Ian, do you have any lessons learned that you'd like to share from the tournament? Uh, 
Well, you know, my, my biggest struggle, time management is <laughs> not great. I'm not a super fast player. Um, and that, that did kind of bite me in, uh, in, in game one, uh, in, in the hold the ground scenario. Cause I did, and you know, I guess bloodlust too, you know, I get caught a bit caught up with that, trying to kill through <laughs> like Alex does same kind of thing rather than focusing on the objective. Um, but yeah, I just kind of, you know, didn't look at the time enough considering what was happening. We spent a lot of turns maneuvering and I think I ended up getting the advantage, like in maneuvering, trying to get onto the objective, but I just wasn't close enough. So it came down to the last half an hour, and I was going, oh, my God, I have to run guys onto here. I had a warband of Defense 4 Rangers, and there was the two twins just sitting there. I was like, I have to try and run these guys on, and the twins just massacred them. My boys. They massacred my boys. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the time management. And I'm kind of proud of myself because I did actually manage to realize that later. And on game five, I was kind of getting into the same situation and then picked up the tempo and made it work. But that's, yeah, time management is huge. If you're in a, in a time tournament, especially in bigger games, you know, where just every turn just takes so much longer. All right. So just to wrap up our discussion about um, Nova last year, we'll just share our overall experience. If, if there's anything we want to add uh, for me, it was a lot of fun. Uh, probably my favorite tournament of last year just we got to catch up with people we met at previous events um, some people that we don't see anywhere else other than at that convention and uh, being able to play six games was the first for me just it was a long tournament but it, it was also very uh, just had a variety of games variety of opponents I really liked it and being able to bring home a few awards for the army was was a bonus on top of that I think um, really just just like 2017, last year was a ton of fun. I love every moment of being there from the moment we got there until the moment we left. Every game was fantastic, you know, win or lose. All the guys that go, the attitudes are great. Every game is just about enjoying it really ultimately when it comes down to it. I wish I could remember a couple of those games a bit better. I wish I could remember everybody's name. I wish I could remember what everybody played. I wish I could remember all the scenarios. All I know is that we played a lot of movement-based scenarios because I was getting very frustrated uh, as a dwarf player. Aside from that, I would definitely love to go back at some point. Um, yeah, I would say kind of what you guys touched on, the biggest thing for me is um, getting to meet so many new people and everyone's just so nice, um, especially in uh, this day and age where seeing people and meeting new people is kind of impossible it makes me sad that there's no nova this year but yeah that was that was probably my favorite thing was just talking to new people and uh, playing against new opponents i would agree honestly man like it's great to see the wider community especially you know because we're we have a really nice community here but you know it's kind of just us on like this half of the continent so it is nice to go out there and see all these other groups you know and interact and talk to people and then also, just the, the spectacle of the whole thing, like walking into this massive hotel and it's all hobby going on on like four floors, every convention room. It's it's a spectacular sight. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And with their breakfast uh, buffet, too. <laughs> oh, Can't don't forget that on the breakfast buffet. <laughs> that was so good. Amazing. All right. Um, I think that's that's about it. Thank you guys for uh, joining me on this podcast. And uh, I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. 
Until next time, uh, this is Into the West Podcast. <laughs>